0: As you're turning to uh, to Proverbs 31, uh, there is a a famous sculpture uh, created by the the great Renaissance artist Michelangelo, uh, and it's known as uh, the Moses. Uh, it's uh, a statue that can be found in, in the the Church uh, of Saint Peter in Chains in Rome, uh, and the the statue is very detailed. It has uh, Moses sitting down, kind of a uh, a robe across his. Uh, his knee, and he has uh, the two tablets underneath his right arm. Uh, amazing detail, sculpted out of marble. Uh, but uh, there's also something that you would notice on on Moses' head. In this sculpture, Michelangelo included a pair of horns uh, on Moses' head, and he did that uh, because there was a, a misunderstanding. Uh, see, in the... In the Latin translation uh, of Exodus 34, in the Latin Bible known as the, the Vulgate, there's a, a, the word that's used to describe uh, Moses uh, coming down from the mountain in Exodus 34. His face was glowing, but they, depending upon the, the vowel pointings underneath the Hebrew letters, it could mean that he, his face was glowing or that he had horns. Uh, and so, uh, through a little bit of a misunderstanding there, Michelangelo sculpted this amazing, amazing statue, uh, of Moses, but he has horns on his head. Uh, so, uh, that, that's quite the, uh, quite the misunderstanding there. Uh, and it's, it's easy to misunderstand, uh, passages in scripture. That's really easy when they're mistranslated, uh, just as we, as we see there. But it's also really easy if we don't understand the context of, uh, a given passage. Uh, what's the first rule of real estate? Lo- location, location, location. Well, first rule in, in understanding and interpreting the Bible is just like the rule of real estate. It's context, context, context. Uh, and as we, as we come to a passage that I think has, has often been misunderstood this morning, uh, in Proverbs, thirty one. Uh, what we need to do is look at look at this context uh, to, to truly understand, hey, what, what's being said here and who is this written to? Uh, and as we as we look, we're going to end up landing in Proverbs 31, but actually turn back with me to, to Proverbs 1. Uh, we'll get a, a running start here. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 1 serves as the, the heading for the book. It says, hey, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Okay, but, the, but the Proverbs don't begin, actually, in chapter 1. Uh, Solomon spends nine chapters telling his son, hey, you have to be ready for wisdom. And in essence, you're not ready for wisdom until you're teachable. So he spends nine chapters saying, hey, son, are you ready? Are you going to listen? Uh, over and over again. Uh, and then the Proverbs actually begin in chapter 10, verse 1, which again repeats uh, this saying that uh, these are the, the Proverbs of Solomon. Uh, and then from there all the way up to chapter 22, if you look at 22 verse 17, uh, there's going to be another, a new section, uh, that could have been compiled by Solomon collected or could have been collected by, uh, and included by the later editor of, uh, Proverbs. Proverbs 22 17 says, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. So that's introducing a new section there. And then if you, if you jump over just a, uh, a page or, or so into 25, 1, we say, hey, these also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. So, hey, later on, there was additional Proverbs found by Hezekiah that were written by Solomon, and he included them uh, in this book of Proverbs. And then in chapter 30, verse 1, it says, The words of Agur, son of Jakeh, uh the oracle. Okay, and then lastly, in, in chapter 31, verse 1, it says, The words of King Lemuel an oracle that his mother taught him. So, as we come to Proverbs 31, we need to understand that as the context, that these are the words of a king named Lemuel. We don't know exactly who King Lemuel is. Uh, Ancient Jewish tradition says that this is another name for Solomon, which would mean that uh, this was taught to Solomon by Bathsheba. Uh, That could be the context here. We don't know for for sure. That's debated. But uh, either way, we know that this is from a mother... To her son. So let's, let's read chapter 10, oh I'm sorry, 31 verse 10, uh, through the end of the chapter. Read along with me in your Bibles. An excellent wife. Who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax. And works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. And she, she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household. All her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on the teaching of kindness. uh, And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. To what King Lemuel's mother taught him here uh, in this wisdom poem, uh, she was instructing him on how to, how to praise his wife for the right things for for fearing the Lord and for her service to her family in the name of the Lord. And as we as we come to this passage, we must allow it to instruct our hearts. We have to understand this isn't a this is not a to do list uh, for wives uh, and mothers. This is not a checklist of okay, are you doing this? Are you doing this? Um, uh, this is not what this is intended to be. This is a, a mother son discipleship lesson that we've been drawn into. This is a mother teaching her son how to find a godly woman. Uh, how to pursue a godly wife. Uh, that is what is presented here. And what we have is, is, is the ideal picture of an excellent woman. Something that is attainable uh, in the general, but not necessarily in all of the specifics. Okay? And so what we, we need to keep that in mind uh, as we read this. And the ideal woman portrayed here is a woman of great wealth. She's she's got a a large household with children, with servants, uh, with uh, great wealth and prestige. I I don't don't think too many wives here can immediately just go out and buy a piece of land and plant a vineyard and uh, do all of this. So we need to understand what's uh, what's presented here. Uh, This is uh, a prominent woman in the city. Uh, Theologian Andreas uh, Kostenberger says this. He says, Rather than viewing these qualities as existing in a woman all at one time, depicting a day in the life of the ideal woman... One may view these attributes as having developed over a period of time and as being exhibited in a woman's life during different occasions and seasons of life. Uh, Another pastor, Paul Coptic, writes, While the woman of noble character runs a household that increases in wealth, provides for its own, and reaches out in charity, the poem seeks to inspire a desire for wise living, not for perfectionism. And the ESV study Bible states that this profile is an ideal, a particular example of full-scale virtue and wisdom toward which the faithful are willing to be molded. It's not expected that any one woman will look exactly like this in every respect. Uh, One woman jokingly uh, spoke about her husband coming to her and saying, hey, why aren't you more like this Proverbs 31 woman? And the wife responded, well, I'll be more like that woman when you get me some servant girls. Uh, (laughs) I can do that then. But yeah, if you think of everything that's encompassed here of rising early, working late, as I read through that, my man, she does a lot of sewing. Uh, she's just constantly, uh, sewing and then selling what she sews and all of these things. And, uh, and so what does this mean for us today? How do we take, uh, this, uh, so what I want to kind of answer this morning is what does an excellent wife look like? And what makes her worthy uh, of praise? And as you see there on your outline, I want to look at three places in scripture. Uh, number one, as the book of Proverbs as a whole, uh, and then secondly, as in Proverbs thirty-one of what we just read, and then uh, in the book of Ruth, because that's the only other time in Scripture that we see this phrase of, of an excellent wife or an excellent woman. So we're going to look at those three places, and then we're going to kind of step back and and make some applications. And okay, how, what should we uh, what should we do with all of this uh, information? Uh, and and before, we, before we launch into this, I know as we, as we are going to be extolling and, and praising uh, mothers, uh, what, what I want to make sure we do today, it is Mother's Day. And we do want to make this a day where we celebrate moms and, and thank them for all that they have done. But at the same time, we also need to understand that this can be a difficult day for many people. If you've been separated from your mom. Hey, I'm not with my mom today. I'll miss her. I'll make a phone call later. But it can be difficult if you're not with your mom or if your mom has passed away. It can be a difficult day because you spend today thinking about who she was and all that she contributed to your life. Still, others may want to be a mom, but they, they haven't been able to. The Lord hasn't blessed them with children yet. So we need to keep that in mind. We also need to... To understand that there, there are some who have lost children. This can be a day of mourning and grieving what has been lost. And on all of those things, we understand this is a day of celebration, but also can be a difficult day. Uh, and sometimes we can also make women without children feel like they are incomplete. And we have to say, hey, women are complete in their womanhood aside from being a mother. Uh, and we need to, to honor and celebrate women as being women and doing what they uh, the Lord has called them to do. And there are, there are plenty of women without children who have done a whole lot of spiritual mothering uh, in the church, in the neighborhoods. And we need to acknowledge that as well. And as we're going to see, Ruth, when she was called a worthy woman, when she was called an excellent woman, she was poor, she was single, uh, and she had no children. So you can be an excellent woman without being married, without being rich, and without having children. Uh, and that's what we want to just to look at today. So uh, with that said, uh, of understanding that, let's, let's jump into uh, just what is what does Proverbs say about uh, being a wife and the wife? Uh, and Proverbs doesn't say a whole lot about... Uh, this relationship between husband and wife. Uh, but it does do a couple things. It highlights uh, the good, and then it highlights the, the bad and the ugly uh, together. If you, if you jump over with me in, in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4, we see the, the first of uh, the good verses. Uh, what does Proverbs have to say about the, the blessings of marriage? Verse 4, we also see our, our phrase, An excellent wife... An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. But she who brings shame is like rottenness to his bones. What that verse is saying, basically, when you have an excellent wife... There's nothing better. There's no greater blessing in life than to have a a woman who uh, is doing good for you, honors you, respects you, and and is uh, praising you and and supporting you as you work and fulfill uh, what the Lord has called you to do. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. There's no greater treasure in the life of a man than uh, his wife. And if you you jump over to Proverbs 18.22, it says he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Uh, where do wives come from? The Lord. So single men, what should you be doing? Praying. <laughs> uh, and so just understanding sing- uh, that he who finds a wife is it finds a good thing, it's a blessing from the Lord, and you obtain favor from the Lord. Uh, and then verse 19, I'm sorry 19 verse 14, that house and wealth are inherited from fathers. But a prudent wife is from the Lord. Again, that aspect of it, a prudent wife, an excellent wife, comes uh, from the Lord and is a blessing from the Lord. Uh, so if we summarize these verses on the good, uh, we see that there's no greater blessing to a man than an excellent wife. Uh, and a wife is a gift from the Lord, showing, favor, showing the Lord's favor upon a man. Winston Churchill famously said that his most brilliant achievement was his ability to convince his wife to marry him. I said that was that was my most uh, brilliant achievement is, is getting that wife, uh, and so that's that, that's the good of what Proverbs says about uh, the wife. Let's let's look now at that, the bad and the ugly. See, Proverbs also shows that the, the misery that can come with a wife who constantly raises contention and conflict in the home. If we jump back over to Proverbs twelve four, the second half of that verse, the first half said, "Hey, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband," but it's comparing and contrasting that an excellent wife with uh, with she who brings shame is like rottenness to his bones. Uh, of hey, there, there can be nothing better, and there's also nothing worse. Uh, marital harmony is so key in life, and that's what that verse is outlining. Uh, and then, uh, chapter 19, verse 13 says, "A foolish son is ruin to his father, and a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain." Uh, Proverbs 27:15 and 16 say something similar. It says a continual dripping on a rainy day. And a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind, or to grasp oil in one's right hand. And what Proverbs is saying is basically there there can be nothing better or nothing worse, depending on how you're getting along with your wife. Uh, and uh, to quote Winston Churchill again, uh, when when a woman named Nancy Astor, who was the, the first female member of Parliament there in uh, in Great Britain. Uh, She told Winston Churchill one time, If I were your wife, I would put poison in your tea. And Churchill famously replied, "Uh, If you were my uh, wife, I would drink it. Uh, (laughs) Of just... That's the, you know that it can be so difficult, uh, in marriage when there is contention, when there is strife. Uh, and, and understand Proverbs is, is is outlining this. Uh, and some of you may be saying, some of you ladies may be saying, well, wait a second, why is the husband left out of that equation? You know, talking about the wife, well, again, understanding the, the context of Proverbs. Proverbs is King Solomon writing to who? His sons. So he's, he's discipling his sons. There's going to be plenty of other verses that will apply to, to what men need to do in their, the relationship with their wives elsewhere in scripture. Uh, And the overall encouragement in Proverbs from Solomon is for him, for his son to find a a woman who is excellent, a woman who is, who is worthy, a woman who is pursuing the Lord. And that's where Proverbs 31 comes in. If we jump over there. Uh, the book of Proverbs concludes with these words. Uh, the, this uh, this poem uh, of uh, an excellent wife, an excellent woman, uh, and as we these twenty two verses that we read earlier, um, they are an acrostic poem, meaning that each each verse begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And whenever we see an acrostic, it usually means that it was probably intended to be memorized. Uh, this was probably something that that Lemuel's mama sat down with him and said, All right, do you have that memorized? Let me, let me teach you this verse by verse and memorize this because I want you to know, son. I want you to know what a godly woman's character should look like. I want you to know and understand that. And then when you do have uh, a wife, I want you to understand that you need to praise and exalt her. That's going to be the, the big idea in this Poem. And what we need to keep in mind is this is that mother-son discipleship lesson. This is a wisdom poem uh, designed to to get one point across uh, that he needs to honor and respect the wife that the Lord gives him. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a unique poem. It's an acrostic, so each verse begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet from uh, Aleph to Tau. Uh, and then uh, it's also going to have another unique structure to it, and it's there on your outline. Something called uh, chiasm uh where uh the outsides of the the poem mirror each other and it uh and it emphasizes what's in the middle it's kind of kind of like this uh, if you were going to go and run errands you 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 go and you get to your destination you get there you do what you need to do and then what do you do you turn back around and go back the way that you came you reverse your course and and head back out uh and that's what we're going to to see here what's in the middle of this poem is our destination now this is what, uh, Lemuel's mom wants him to, to, to understand and to arrive at. This is the conclusion that she wants him to see. Uh, so what I'd like to do is kind of, kind of work our way from the outside into the middle of this poem. Uh, so follow along, uh, with me. Well, let's look at the outside first. What we see in verses, uh, 10 and then verses 30 and 31, uh, the, the woman, this excellent wife, we see her worth and her praise Worthiness. So look at verse 10. It says, An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. And then verses 30 and 31, it says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Now That word for excellent there in the Hebrews, the idea of strength. Right? Our world is always talking about encouraging women to be what strong, independent women. It's amazing how often you see that on, when you watch television. Uh, what, how do they want to encourage women to be like strong and independent? That's like the the cookie cutter uh, adjectives uh, we see. Uh, and this is truly what a strong woman looks like, because the word is is the idea of strength, power, or or faculty, ability. So uh, this excellent woman, she is worth more. Then precious jewels and her character uh, is most noted, not in her charm or in her beauty, but in verse 30. What's most noted about this woman? Her fear of the Lord. And that is why she should be praised most. Uh, so keeping that in mind, that is uh, what makes her uh, her worth and her praise worthiness. And then from there, uh, the, the next layer in is that her her family's praise of her. This is seen in verses 11 and 12 and then in 28 and 29. Because the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. That sounds a great way to build trust between a husband and wife, right? Uh, Doing good for him all the day long. And then verses 28 and 29. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Not only does she do good for her husband, but her children rise up and call her blessed. And her husband does what? He praises her. Uh, and that's a big emphasis here at the end of the poem. Four times, oh, I'm sorry, three times in the last four verses. Uh, in 28 through 31, uh, Lemuel's mother encourages him to praise the excellent wife three times. Think about that. Uh, in verse, at the end of verse 28, her husband also, and he praises her. Uh, verse 30, but a woman who r- fears the Lord is to be praised. And then at the end of verse 31, and let her works praise her in the gates. Uh She, a, an excellent woman, uh and your wife is excellent. I'll come to that conclusion, I'll show you. But uh she is worthy of your praise. Uh, she is worthy of your encouragement because of her diligence, because of her fear of the Lord, because of her application of wisdom to her life and to the life of her household. That is what we will see. Well, let's, let's continue working our way to the middle of this poem. Next, we see her work ethic. And this is by far the biggest portion of the, the poem. Verses 13 through 19 uh, outline, uh, this, this woman's work ethic and, and how diligently she works for the good of her household, for the benefit of her children. She, she rises early, she goes to bed late, uh, verse 27, if you read with me, she looks well to the ways of her household and, and does not eat the bread of idleness. And it's, uh, Ladies, aren't you glad that this is some, some generalizations rather than a specific to-do list? Like, if a woman was doing all of these things, you're like, is she ever sleeping? Uh, is she ever eating? Uh, how, how is she accomplishing this? But again, understanding these are characteristics over the course of a lifetime and not, not a single day's activities uh, that, that is being outlined here. Uh, we see her, her work ethic, and then we see her, her openness uh, to others in verses 20 and 26. Verse 20 says that she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Verse 26, 26 says she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So she encourages and blesses others with her with her words, with her deeds, uh, and this is the emphasis here. And then as we continue to work inward, uh, next is that her we see her clothing and, and her lack of fear. And uh, verses thirty or uh, twenty-one and twenty-five. There's uh, it becomes easier and easier to see the, the the parallels here as we draw closer to the middle. Verse twenty-one says she is not afraid of snow for her household. And then look at the second line of verse twenty-five. What is it that she laughs at? She laughs at the time to come. She is not fearful of the future. She's not fearful of cold weather because she is prepared. Uh, and you also see what what clothes her her household is clothed in scarlet, meaning they are clothed in what is best uh, they 're clothed in the best things, uh, and she makes linen garments and and i 'm sorry she is her clothing is strength and dignity now, that is what clothes her, so you see uh, these similarities, and then uh, the next layer in you see her production verses twenty two and twenty four she makes bed coverings for herself, her clothing is fine linen and purple. And she makes linen garments and sells them. Uh, she delivers sashes to the merchant. Uh, all of these things serve to highlight. And then we come to the middle. This is the, the destination that again that, that Lemuel's mom wants him to, to come to, what he wants what she wants him to understand. Verse 23. Says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. See the husband of of an excellent wife is is known in the city gates. In the city gates, this is where all of the the most important matters in a city took place. This is the this is like the courthouse and the and the capital of the city. Everything that was that, of legal and judicial matters were handled there. So, hey, this man uh, an the husband of an excellent wife will be known in the city. He will be a leader in the city because of who his wife is. And the point here. Is the benefit and blessing that a wife brings to her husband? That she contributes so much to his life and reputation in the community by supporting him, by caring for him, for their children, and looking after their household. That, that is what Lemuel's mom wants him to understand, and that is what we all need to understand to this today. Uh, the, the benefit and blessing that comes because of our wives, because of our mothers, because of the women in our life, supporting, encouraging, working tirelessly in our lives. That is, that is what uh, we are supposed to see here. And what's the conclusion that we are to come to? That we need to, to praise her, to thank her. Uh, and not in the same way that we praise the Lord. Uh, it's, a, it's a different type of praise, but we want to praise and thank uh, our wives and mothers for all that they Do. This mother wants her son to see the value of his wife and to praise and honor her for who she is and all that she does for his benefit. And again, some of you ladies might be, might be overwhelmed at this. Uh, might be overwhelmed to to think about all that is being, uh, held up here as the ideal woman. And, uh, it can be a daunting task, but, uh, it sounds like she, yeah, she never sleeps. She works constantly again, always sewing, and without a sewing machine, which is really impressive. Uh, but as I said earlier, I think this is attainable. Uh, I think this isn't supposed to be held up as like this is just impossible. I think this is attainable, and the reason I say that is because of the Book of Ruth. Well, not you turn over there, turn over there with me, because Ruth is going to be. A living, breathing illustration of what this woman looks like, and she's going to have a whole lot of similarities. But I also mentioned some of the some of the differences. Ruth is a widow, childless. She, she's uh, very, uh, very poor, uh, as we are going to see. But she is called a woman of worth, a a worthy woman, an excellent wife. And interestingly enough, in the Hebrew Old Testament, the the books are in a different order uh than in our English Bible. And do you know what book in the Hebrew Old Testament comes immediately after Proverbs? Ruth. So immediately after this description of an excellent wife, what do you have? You have the story of of an excellent wife, the story of an excellent woman. Uh, And as we as we look at this, it's amazing to see the similarities of Ruth's character with what is outlined in uh, Proverbs thirty one. So if you're there with me uh, in Ruth, we'll begin in chapter 1. So I'll I'll refer back to to Proverbs 31 to quote, and then we'll read some things in Ruth. Now Proverbs 31.30 says that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And throughout the entire book, all four chapters, Ruth's character is on display. They don't talk about her beauty, they don't talk about her charm, but what is constantly on display is her Character, her fear of the Lord. Look with me, chapter 1, uh, verses 16 and 17. I'm sorry. Yeah, verses 16 and 17. But Ruth said, do you, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. So even though Ruth was uh, not a Jew, who did what God did she believe in? What God did she worship and fear? She feared Yahweh, the God of the Jews. Uh, Proverbs 31, 31 says that, that Give her the, the fruit of her hands. I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. 31, verse 15, says that she rises uh, early and, and goes to bed late. And well, look over at, at chapter 2 in Ruth. Uh, beginning in in verse 2, you, you see her work ethic. So she's, she and her mother-in-law go back to the land of Israel after being in, uh, in Moab uh, for a time. Uh, verse 2 in chapter 2, "...and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, "'Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, "'in whose sight I shall find favor.'" And she said to her, "Go, my daughter." So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And said, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, uh, "Yahweh be with you." And they answered, "Yahweh bless you." Then Boaz said to his young man, "Who is it, who was in charge of the reapers? Whose young woman is this?" And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And look at verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food was left over after being satisfied. So what is she doing? She's working from early in the morning until late in the evening to do what? To provide for herself and to provide for her mother-in-law. Uh, to, to be a blessing to her. And that's hard work, uh, going and gleaning in a field all day long. But this is Ruth's character. She worked diligently to provide for herself and for others. Uh, verse uh, 31 in Proverbs 31 says that let, a, let uh, her works be praised in the gates. And we skipped over this, but look at chapter 2, verse 11. So there's, a, there's a conversation that takes place between Boaz and Ruth, uh, and, and Ruth's character is known by Boaz even before they actually meet. Boaz says this, he answers her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you let, left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Uh, her character is known among the city uh, because of its uh, noble quality. Uh, then uh, in uh, chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 9 and 10, how you see uh, Proverbs spoke about this, uh, the excellent wife only does good. Uh, if you read along with me, uh, this is a, in a conversation between Boaz and Ruth. He said, Who are you? Because she came upon him at night. And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. That's a marriage proposal, which we'll talk about uh, when we study the book of Ruth sometime. Uh, in verse 10, he said, May you be blessed by Yahweh, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. So he commends her character. says, what is she doing to him? She's distrib- uh, exhibiting kindness towards him. She's blessing him. She's doing good rather than harm to him already. And then verse 11. Notice Boaz's assessment of her. It says, and now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow kinsmen, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Again, there's our phrase. That's the only other time outside of Proverbs that that phrase occurs. And, and again, look at look at how he referred to her in that way. Again, widow, childless, uh, and in extreme poverty. The only way that she survives is by going and picking up gleanings from other people's fields. And yet, her character is absolutely 100% commendable and honored by, by Boaz and known by uh, everybody in the city. Uh, and then uh, the book of Ruth concludes in chapter 4 uh, with with the women of the city coming to Naomi, coming to uh, Ruth's mother-in-law and praising her. Look at me, chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Says, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the, Yahweh gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be Yahweh, who has lef- not left you this day without a Redeemer. Uh, so, Ruth just shows us and outlines. Hey, this this is attainable. Now, did Ruth do every single thing that we saw in Proverbs thirty one? No, she didn't go buy a field. She was uh, gleaning in a field. She didn't go and make all of these uh, um, garments and sell them in the marketplace. All of these things, but she, she was a a woman of worth, a woman worthy of being honored uh, and praised for her character, and 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 what a blessing from the Lord to her future husband, Boaz and to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Again, what what did the women of the city say? Hey, this daughter-in-law that you have is better than seven sons. Uh, She's bringing more benefit to you than all of them. Uh, And what's amazing is that she became the great-grandmother of this little boy named David, uh, who would eventually be uh, in the line of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world the lord used this woman in her poverty in her uh tragedy of losing her husband all of these things he used her uh for his glory honor and praise so as we as we look at all of this, this is where i want to kind of step back uh now where the rubber meets the road uh, in terms of uh as as a family as, as husbands as uh, as children as as wives what do we what do we take away from proverbs 31 this this wisdom poem on the excellent woman well i think First and foremost, this applies to teens to, to young folk. Okay, you guys understand that this is this is again a mother son discipleship lesson. This is a mom writing to uh, her child, wanting him to understand some things. so I think first and foremost, this applies to to young people, young men especially, uh, and I think some takeaways would be number one to to pray for. A wife. Begin to pray now. Begin to pray that the Lord would would bless you with a woman who fears Him, uh, and who exhibits this type of character. Uh, secondly, I would say look for this type of character in a young woman. Uh, think now, hey, what do you want in a future spouse? What kind of a woman do you want? Uh, and then begin to pursue a woman with this type of character. And now, this doesn't mean that you become extremely critical. If you hold this up, you're like, well, there's no woman who ever met matches up to this. Um, you're like, yeah, if, if you use this as your measuring stick, absolutely, you'll become very critical and harsh. Uh, but understand that the general concepts of what is being taught here. Uh, and then, young men, be the type of godly young man that a Proverbs 31 woman would want to marry, to be attracted to. Pro- a Proverbs 31 woman is not going to marry a knucklehead. You can can put it that way. It's not going to happen. Uh, You're not even going to be on her radar. So you need to begin to pursue the Lord uh, and be the type of man that she would be, that she would want to be with. Uh, And and so understanding that. And then for young women, uh, of again, this isn't uh, written. It's not written to you, but it's written for you. Uh, You see the character, the ideal woman that's laid out here. And I would say again, number one, pray for the Lord to lead you to an excellent husband one day. Because what does Proverbs say? Wives are a gift from who? Say, hey, realizing, hey, you're, you're a gift in waiting for somebody. The Lord's going to give you to a young man, hopefully a, a godly young man one day, uh, and you're going to be able to, to be a blessing to him uh, in the same way that this uh, woman is a blessing to her husband. So cultivate this type of character in your life now. And then... Uh young young ladies I would encourage you to look and learn from other older godly women. Uh make note of their ways. Uh, go and, go and hang out with those who are older than you, not just with other teens or college students, but understand uh and go spend some time with them. Notice how they love their children, how they love their husbands, how they how they serve their households well. Uh and if you watch carefully enough, young ladies, you might even begin to see things that you didn't even realize your mom was doing of what she spends her time doing. Like, I didn't even know mom did that. Uh, and young men, I would encourage you to do the same. Begin to just make note of how your own mom works to serve you uh, and your family. I think that's how this applies to uh, to teens and singles. And then uh, to husbands. Uh, and husbands, I think this this text in Proverbs also applies more to you than it does to your wife. And I'll explain what that means. Again, this was written from a woman to a man. This is written from a mother to a son. So I think this uh, this applies more to us than to our wives. Uh, And number one, I would say that we need to to thank the Lord for blessing us with a wife. If we are absolutely convinced that the Lord Lord has given a wife to us and blessed us with that gift, that we should thank Him for that and praise Him for that. We should also begin to understand the true value of our wife. Number 31.10 says that she is far more precious than jewels. Do we treat our wives that way? That she is the most valuable person, relationship in our lives. That she's more valuable than anything and everything else. Do we we treat her in that way? Understand the true value of your wife, and then highly esteem her in your thoughts, your words, and your actions. Encourage her with words of, of praise. Uh, and not only for her beauty and charm but also more importantly for her fear of the lord i know some of the ladies like i'll take the the, the compliments on them, my beauty and charm as well uh, but mostly we need to to encourage and, and praise our wife for her character uh, and in many many cultures around the world and even in in families here in the u.s it's It's become common for for men to be silent, to not express uh, affection or appreciation towards their wife. But is that what we see here in Proverbs 31? No. What should we do? We should be praising and thanking our wife, uh, extolling her character and her virtues. Uh, And we can't be silent. Uh, We can't be quiet to our wives in in our love and our affection uh, and our appreciation for them. And then uh, understanding, where does that, where does that title of, of husband come from? It comes from uh, animal husbandry and the idea of, of cultivating. Uh, and the idea that, that as a husband, we, we care for and cultivate our wives. Not that we are uh, in control over them in every single way or in, in any way, really. But understanding that our, our task is, so if our wife doesn't meet, meet this standard, what do we do? I'm just gonna go beat it into her. No, not at all. We, we cultivate, we, we encourage, uh, we champion her. Uh, Pastor Ray Ortland says, says this, I love this, this quote. He says, a husband cultivates his wife by setting a high tone of praise in their home. No put downs, no fault finding, no insults, not even neutral silence, but rather, rather bright, positive, life giving praise. What is it that you, that that the wise husband says, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. How does your wife excel? Tell her. Tell her in front of the children. God wants to see your wife become more and more capable because of your influence in her life. And he wants to hear you and your kids cheering her on all the way. That is what I mean by cultivate. That's what we are called to do, to champion our wives, to cheer them on, praising them and encouraging them for all that they're doing. Not, not grumbling and complaining about the couple things that they're not doing. But champion and encourage them. Then in the same way that I told the young men that they need to do what? That they need to be a, a godly young man who can attract a Proverbs 31 woman. Husbands, you need to be an excellent husband. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Do you know what word is used to describe Boaz? He is a worthy man. That same idea. He is an excellent man. Uh, and you have an excellent man who's going to marry an excellent woman. Uh, that is what we see, and that is the that is what is purely scriptural that if you want an excellent wife, first and foremost, who's the leader in the home? Men, we are. We need to be an excellent husband. And there's only so far that an excellent wife can, can drag her, her knucklehead husband along. Uh, we, see, we see this in, in 1 Samuel 25, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, uh, about David and Abigail. Uh, David and his men have been, uh, in, uh, this, uh, man's land, uh, and they've been defending his sheep for him. And so David says, hey, why don't you go up to the house, uh, and ask him to, to send us some bread. He sends some of his young men, uh, and this guy's name is Nabal, which is Hebrew for fool. So he literally is a knucklehead. Uh, that's the conclusion that we're to draw. And so he, uh, Nabal th- rejects David says, who is David? I don't know this guy. No, go away. I'm not going to give you anything. Well, this infuriates David. So David's ready to go up and handle his business uh, and to kill Nabal and his whole household. But, but Nabal has a wife. His name is Abigail. And she was a wise woman. She understands the offense that has taken place against David. And so she goes and intervenes. She sends food, she calms things down, uh, she keeps David from sinning, and she keeps uh, Nabal, her husband, from receiving the consequence of his foolishness. Uh, and th- there's only so far that, that a godly woman can do that, though, because ultimately uh, Nabal's life is taken uh, by the Lord because of his uh, rejection of King David. Uh, but there's we need to understand that, that we can only be a knucklehead for so long. Uh, before, uh, before the Lord brings the consequences of our knuckleheadedness, if I can change that, uh, word, uh, to, to fall upon us. Men, we need to strive to be excellent husbands. If we want an excellent wife, we need to be excellent husbands. And then, uh, lastly, how does this, how does this apply to, to wives and mothers? Okay? We need to first, again, be reminded and remember, this was not written to young women. This was written to a young man by his mother. But it does have some implications for women because it it outlines the ideal woman, the excellent woman. And we need to keep in mind, this is a gracious picture to receive and pursue. This is not a law to keep. It's not a law to keep. This is a grace to be received. Hey, the Lord's given us a picture of what we should pursue in our character in our character. Uh and so let's pursue that. It's not a law that if we don't if we don't fulfill that, we are condemned. That, that's not the gospel of grace. That's a gospel of works. Uh, the, the gospel of grace is that hey, we are all sinners uh a bit estranged and, and in rebellion against a holy God, and we don't work our way back to right relationship with that God. We simply trust in faith. Uh, it's not dependent upon what we do so husbands don't don't treat your wives as uh, with a with a gospel according to works hey wife i'll love you as long as you're doing all of these things for me that that model that models the wrong gospel and then parents you can say don't do the same with your kids uh, don't put your your kids on a works based relationship with you but model grace and compassion for them husbands towards wives wives towards husbands parents towards children so women, don't be overwhelmed by all that you read in these verses. And when you look at the basics of what the excellent woman does, you're probably already doing most of it. She blesses her husband and does him good. She cares and provides for her children and household. She works diligently. She blesses others with her words and actions. You're already doing most of those things. And if you see things that you need to work on, work on them. But in the grace of the Lord, not not feeling that if I don't complete these things, my husband won't love me or God won't love me. Again, a grace to be received, not a law to keep. Then, uh, women, I would also say that that take a word out of King Lemuel's mother's book. Disciple your kids in this, in these things. Uh, The biggest decision your children will ever make is what? whether they will trust in Christ for their salvation. And the second biggest decision is who they're going to marry. Is that worthy of your time in discipling them, of teaching them? Do what uh, Lemuel's mom did and and come alongside your son, moms. They need that. Come alongside your daughters and say, this is the, the character that you should be aspiring to. This is what a godly woman, an excellent woman, looks like. This is how she conducts herself. And encourage and disciple your children to that. And then, ladies, lastly and above all else, I would turn your attention to chapter 31, verse 30. And that second portion of the verse. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Above everything else, fear the Lord. Don't trust in your, in your own ways. Don't become fearful of man, of what other people might think. Worship and fear Christ above everything. Anyone else. And that will be the greatest way for you to model what an excellent woman looks like to the next generation. Ladies, the Lord has called you to play a key part in your home. You're integral to the success of your entire household. Your husbands uh, will thrive. Your children will be blessed. And they will rise up and call you blessed. When was the last time that happened? You're like, hopefully this morning, at least. Uh, but then children... Rise up and call your mom blessed. Praise her each and every day. Don't just make it a one time a year on a Sunday in May. Uh, always be praising and thanking your mom. Ladies, you are able to to bless uh, your children, husband, your families in a way that nobody else is. Uh, and we, we want to celebrate you today to thank you and praise you for those things. But like I said, each and every day, uh, may you continue to disciple and train us to bless us to encourage us, and may we praise and encourage you. May we cultivate those characteristics in you uh, as we walk with Christ together. Let's pray. Gracious God, we we thank you and praise you for your wisdom, uh, that in your infinite knowledge, you have decided to create the family, uh, just as the, the building block of our world. Lord, we thank you for uh, for the blessing of the ladies in our life, for our wives, for our mothers. Lord, we thank you for how you have used them in our lives to sanctify us, to mold us and shape us. Lord, we long to, to honor you by honoring them. Lord, you have commanded us to, to praise these women, to thank these women for who they are and what they do on a regular basis for us. And Lord, I just uh, I thank you for the excellent women that you have brought to our church. Lord, may you encourage them. May you continue to strengthen and sustain them in their daily ministry to their families. And Lord, may you use them uh, in those families and in our community uh, to reach the loss and ultimately to glorify your name. What I pray for the husbands and the children here we would grow in our thankfulness uh, for uh, our moms, for our wives. I pray that you would help us to just acknowledge that uh, on a regular basis, uh, regularly praising them, thanking them, and giving you ultimately all of the glory, honor, and praise for the good that they are doing in our lives. Help us to to interact with one another with grace rather than criticism uh, as we look at the ideal uh, and see that oftentimes we fall far short So Lord, help us to extend grace to one another because you have extended grace to us first and foremost. And for that, we praise you and thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior.